That said, we don't know what weather will look like. In fact, in many cases, you don't even know what weather will look like at the end of the day. Um, I have lived all over the Midwest, don't know um, where, you've, where you've been, where you've lived, or where you've visited, but it seems like everywhere I've been, no matter what the season, the response in any case, no matter what is, if you don't like the weather, just wait an hour, right? Or just wait five minutes because it will change. And that's not exclusive just to Southern Ohio or Northern Ohio or Indiana or Michigan or Pennsylvania. It's basically pretty much everywhere in the Midwest. No matter where you go, the response is, if you don't like the weather, just wait an hour. And I've found that to be true. I've found it to be true that if you want it to rain, plan an outdoor event, right? If you, if you want it to, uh, to stay warm, then go ahead and buy those, those spring flowers or plants, and you'll go ahead and get yourself a frost, right? If you want it to snow, if you want it to snow, uh, or if you don't want it to snow, buy a snowblower, right? You can keep the snow away because you've made that investment, right? Last year, um, my wife and I were doing a little bit of landscaping, and she decided she was going to buy a few bushes. And she bought three bushes. They were identical to one another, three that she really liked. She went out, bought them, brought them home. And it was interesting that, uh, that the adage was, was true once again, that when she brought these bushes home, that she brought forth one last frost for the year. And as she put them out, we, a, a storm actually kind of started to roll in, and um, it was, you know, it was kind of a, a violent wind, and there was some rain, and kind of even some freezing rain, and even that evening, the temperature dropped low enough that we had a frost. Now, the interesting thing to note is this, that she had put those three bushes out, they hadn't been planted yet, but she put those three bushes out somewhere where they were exposed to the elements, And it should be noted that all three of those bushes sat side by side, very close together, out in the elements in one specific spot where they were going to be planted eventually, but all in one specific spot, receiving the same rain, the same frost, the same temperatures. Everything that took place was the same. Now, here's the thing that's amazing. They're the same plant. They were all the same species. Everything was the same. Purchased from the same place at the same time. But one of the bushes remained green and bushy and beautiful. The second bush, all the leaves changed from bright green to a bright red, as they typically might do in the fall before they fall off. And then the third bush, in a matter of days, every leaf on the bush fell off. Now, I'm amazed by that. To think about it for just a moment, all three are the exact same, same elements, same everything. And if, if, you're, you know, if you're in here right now and you're getting things together for your seventh grade science project, I might recommend this because I would like to know the reason. But all three had the same exact storm come at them, but three very different results. And it's interesting to me as we think about the concept of fault lines, we think about the concept of pushing through and understanding the fault lines, the things in our life that take place that are unexpected, that there can be very different results in the life of individuals. In fact, you and I might go through the same storm, or perhaps your family is going through a storm, but there are differing results that are taking place in the life of each person in your family as you respond to the unexpected storm, the unexpected fault line. What do you picture when you hear the words perfect storm? Do you picture a hurricane, a tornado? 
Do you picture uh, just a, a thunderstorm? Do you picture a multitude of these things coming at the same time, possibly a, a wildfire, and then maybe a tornado with sharks flying out of it? Anybody? Is that your perfect storm? It's not a real thing, by the way. These are all appropriate associations, but there's another kind of perfect storm that takes place, possibly one that everybody in this room, everybody that's joining online has experienced in some way, and that is a perfect storm that comes in the spiritual sense, a crisis, something unexpected that threatens your life, a loss, a a loss of comfort, something that rattles or shakes your faith. Today, as we discuss the perfect storm fault line, let us look at storms that come in different ways, not just those that come in weather or with thunder or lightning or with wind or whatever it might be, but instead, let's look deeper at the storms of illness, the storms of losing a loved one, the storms of losing a job or suffering in a broken relationship, the nature of an uncertain world, the the depression that comes along with that from isolation, the giving in to maybe temptation and the storm that comes through dealing with that. As we look at storms today, we're going to look at a storm that, uh, a a physical storm, but also one that was a sense of, of, of testing of faith that took place in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 27, in fact, and if you want to turn there, we're going to read from Acts chapter 27 today, and you can uh, get your finger in, your, in, in, the, in the chapter to save your spot or maybe pull it up on your smart device. This kind of perfect storm, so to speak, that we're going to read about today is one that threatened the faith of not just those that were involved or not just the one that's, that's being talked about, but all those that were involved that were on the ship. The Apostle Paul and everyone else on the ship was being transported to to Italy in this specific instance, where Paul was actually going to be persecuted. He was going to be prosecuted for what had taken place in his life. And there's three main elements that that one can can look at as it breaks down in this journey. The first one is the, the forward travel in safety. Now, the forward travel and safety happens in the, the, the original, the early part of chapter 27. This is the, the safety portion of the travel. This is when things are going well. This is maybe when you went out and you bought the plants before you recognized that there was going to be a frost and you, you bring them out or perhaps you're, you're starting a new relationship or you're starting a new job and things are going well. These are, this is the moments in which you're not necessarily recognizing the, the storm ahead. And then the second part, the part that we're going to cover mostly today, is that of when the storm blows in and the danger occurs. The storm, that the unexpected transition takes place and it becomes, you know, survival mode. It becomes one where, where you know, they're, they're, for them, they're specifically trying to get uh, to this new place and, and, and actually, in a lot of cases, as they're walking through this, they're recognizing it as a, as a great opportunity to get through, but then this, this storm comes and upends all of their understanding, all of their plans, And then finally, another portion we're not going to read today, but I want to encourage you to do so in chapter 28, is the forward travel in safety that happens after the storm. The travel in safety that takes place after the provision of of God is is planted and after it is followed and after the faith has grown within the the hearts and minds of, of Paul and the rest that are on this ship. So let's observe today a few similarities between the perfect storms and the one you may experience or may be experiencing even here today. I'm going to start in chapter 27 in verse 13. It reads like this, When a gentle south wind began to blow, 
began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and were driven along. Now let me pause for just a moment here because this is important to note. Right here, as they set out on their journey, as they began their journey, they recognized a nice, beautiful breeze just kind of flowing through. It was a nice day. Everything was good. Everything was going well. And if you like the weather, you don't like the weather, just wait an hour, right? Because it didn't take long before things were about to change, but they began to set out, they began to get things going, and, and the first point, and this, this is broken down the same way in your notes as it has been the last couple of weeks, where there'll be a main point and then two subpoints. The main point, the first one is this, often the perfect storm is unexpected. You know, they had found kind of a break in the weather. They'd found this, 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 this easy journey they could make. They had all their gear together, and you'll find out more about the fact that they had everything they needed on the ship, their food and their, and, and their supplies and everything that they needed. They were all ready. They got going on this nice, beautiful trip. Perhaps you've started a, a new job or started a relationship or began something new, and, and everything was going well. There was never a thought in your mind about how things might go south or how things might go in, in, a, in, a, in an unfavorable way. And the next point in, in verse 13, it, it spells this out. And the next point is storms come when conditions are favorable. Storms come when conditions are favorable. Kind of out of nowhere in many cases. Have you ever noticed that uh, hurricanes take place often? They approach the, the shoreline or the coastline when people are vacationing, when they're at the beach, when people are just out enjoying some time and all of a sudden it becomes this, this moment of, 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 well, the transition, this moment of storm begins to come and it, it kind of ruins all the plans. Everybody has to leave or vacate. If you're not for advanced warning, actually, the loss of life and the loss of, of property would be staggering. But similarly, similarly, when we're sailing along smoothly, a big crisis may strike us. Because we have no advanced warning, the crisis takes us by surprise and we're unprepared. Often when there's no advanced warning, things creep in that can be very difficult for us because we haven't coped or we haven't prepared for those specific things. You know, for this specific passage, conditions on the Adriatic Sea were favorable. It's a nice breeze. We're ready to go. Let's do it. And a gentle south wind was blowing, so the sailors transporting Paul and the other prisoners weighed anchor and they began on their way. What could possibly go wrong? Verse 14 and 15 spell out just kind of a, 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 a start to this whole thing. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down the island. So let's just pause for a moment and just think about this. So they're out, they're having this nice time, they're kind of just sailing along, and then a hurricane-type wind blows in. Not just a, 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 you know, a, a, a violent storm, not just a, a, a thunderstorm, not just a wind that's, you know, that, that might blow over your, your pot on your, your, uh, your porch. No, this is a hurricane-type storm. Simply blows in. And the third point or the second point under that first one is storms strike with great fury. Spiritually speaking, you and I know this is true. 
Spiritually speaking, you and I know, especially in cases where things are good, that Satan wants to make sure and help us to recognize that things are not always, as we might define them in a worldly sense, good. Because anytime we take a step forward in faith, anytime we we step forward with God, anytime things are going well, Satan, he wants to attack. He wants to bring us back. He wants wants us to to digress in our faith or to step away from God or cause us to doubt in a way that might cause us to, to leave our Savior. A vicious typhoon uh, arose and suddenly it was, it was buffeting, it was, it was cracking into, it was knocking into the ship, the one that was carrying Paul, it swept the ship along this turbulent path and in despite of the, the crew's efforts to avoid it, they, they could not, they were being swept along. Maybe here's the question, have you ever felt the fury of a perfect spiritual storm? A perfect spiritual storm, one where you couldn't control it, you couldn't get out of it, you couldn't do anything, but the storm took you along. Have you ever felt hopeless or locked in by the the grip that's sweeping you along? Perhaps some of us have felt hopeless before in a perfect storm. The question is, what do we do? Where do we go? How do we move forward? It's interesting when you hear the, the heart of a, of a testimony, when somebody shares about their testimony in, in God, they, they typically will share where they were before they became a believer. This is where my life was before. Then they will go to a place of saying, okay, here is the, the, the moment to which I gave my heart to Christ, right? And I'm oversimplifying this, but these are the three main elements. Here's where I was when I gave my heart to Christ. This is the moment to which I started this relationship. And now here's, here's where I am now that I'm different. Here's, here are some things that have taken place. Here's my perspective on the world. Never in that where I am different do, they, do we ever say everything is perfect, everything you know, goes well. But one of the things that I will note is every time I hear a testimony, whether young, uh, you know, sometimes people come to Christ when they're young and they haven't kind of walked through rocky times as we might define them. And so maybe that comes along later on in life. But there, every time there's defining moments in a testimony where we walk through trials, we walk through storms. And in those, when we allow Christ to infiltrate those, when we allow Christ to be our power and our peace, those become stepping stones. Those become moments. Those become paradigm shifts where we grow greatly. Just the last baptism service we had, we heard from several students and then we had an adult that was sharing about their life and how they'd changed. And and what a powerful moment to hear about, especially when the adult was sharing, he was talking about how God changed his life, how he he basically brought him out of a place of addiction, brought him out of a place of being addicted to, to drugs and alcohol and brought him to a place where he didn't need that anymore, but instead his full reliance is on God. That doesn't just happen. That comes supernaturally from the power of of a God who loves us, who walks alongside us, who even in the storms is present. Picking back up in verse 16, it reads like this, As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. That's not a good thing. I'm not a sailor, but I, I happen to know lifeboats are important. So the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together. So at this point, they recognize that the ship is being rocked in a way where it is going to separate. 
It's going to break. And, and, and if you're a sailor, you need a ship below you. If, if, you're not, if you don't have a ship below you, you're a swimmer at that point. And so at this point, they're trying to, to tie the ship together, to bring it to a place where, where it will stay together, where it will be secure. Then they pass ropes under the ship itself to hold together. Because they were afraid, they would, they would run aground on the sandbars, excuse me, on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchors and let the ship be driven along. You know, it's, it's interesting here. They're doing all this work. They're putting forth all this effort. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. Now, pause for a minute. The next day. This isn't just a, okay, it's an hour storm. Once this passes, you know, everything will be okay. The sun will come back out. The next day. Lost my spot. Let me see if I can find it. We took such a violent battering from the storm, the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. And on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. So they did, they exhausted all of the knowledge they had. They did everything that they could. And I, and I think it's interesting to note that they, they, with their own hands was added in there. Like they threw their tackle over with their own hands to recognize that some of the things they lost were because of the storm. This they intentionally said, let's get rid of these things. It's weighing us down. We have to throw this off too. So they were willing to sacrifice, willing to throw off anything, but they were doing it under their own power. And the result in that, in many ways, as we see this, is that they lost hope because of it. In fact, the next big point is the perfect storm may cause despair. It may cause despair in our lives. It may cause us to wonder, is this worth it? It may cause us to come to a place to say, God, are you really listening? Are you really there? Do you really care about my need? Or are you just standing up in heaven laughing at me saying, well, I hope you get this figured out. Maybe if you throw off more things into the sea, then maybe I'll come rescue you or maybe I'll stop this storm. It's interesting to note that sometimes in Scripture, especially when it pertains to Christ's power and His presence, that sometimes the storm, the storm stops. And so the question to ask is, why is this storm continuing? Why does God allow this storm to continue when, when obviously we know Luke is there, he's writing us in the first person and he's the author of Acts. And at the same time, we know Paul is there because he's writing about Paul. He's got two of these guys that he's building his church on. Why is he allowing the storm to happen that could hurt them, that could kill them? Perhaps it has something to do with the reality that God sometimes works his best work through the storm. You know, we pray to God, get me out of this, this terrible place, but maybe sometimes it's God saying, no, I want to teach you. I want to I bring you along. I want to empower you. I want to bring you hope and peace in this time of the storm. Don't pull the ripcord and get out prematurely. Don't, don't, don't run away from what I want to do in your life. When I pastored in, in, in Circleville, I, I actually was also a teacher at one of the Christian academy there, and, and I, I taught Bible and I taught PE, which those things go together, right? And specifically in, in PE, I remember one of the first years I was there taking the older students to a, a park nearby, and we did kind of a, uh, not necessarily American Ninja Warrior, but it was that type of thing to them where they had to kind of do an obstacle course type thing. And one of the things that they did was they had to go across the monkey bars, and as a child, the monkey bars are kind of fun. You just kind of swing from one to the next. As an adult, the monkey bars are not fun. <laughs> I found out that, that, they, that they hurt, actually. They make you sore. 
And I remember watching the kids go across. I remember specifically one child getting about halfway and stopping and, and kind of just sitting there like, or, or hanging there like, I can't do this. And the sad part to me was that was the rest of the kids that came behind were, were there as well. They had to stop because they had to wait on the person in front. Like, hey, we got to keep going. We can't stop where we're at. We can't, we can't stay right here. You know, the tendency with a storm is maybe to park, right? To just kind of park here. Okay, I'm not going any further. I'm not doing anything else. That's not what happened here. Now, they didn't have a lot of a choice, but they did have a choice to listen, to follow, to obey, and to move forward. And so it's not about just kind of hanging there and saying, well, maybe I'll just kind of hang, or maybe I should just drop and be done. Maybe I'll just kind of give up on this whole thing. No, right here, we, we already recognize God has called them. He has brought them forth. He is protecting them. But they, at this point, are beginning to give up. In the storm, our actions may prove useless. In fact, that point is spelled out in verse 16 through 19. All the actions that they did over the course of several days, all the things that they attempted to try to accomplish, trying to keep the boat together, trying to throw off the things that were weighing them down, trying to steer, dropping the anchor, which is not a typical thing that you do when you're moving along, right? The frantic sailors could hardly secure the lifeboats. They tied ropes around the ship. They tossed cargo over. They jettisoned all their tackle. Nothing was working. You know, the perfect storm crisis might be too big, too difficult for us to handle under our own strength and wisdom. You ever ever recognize that in your own life? Let me say that again. Sometimes the perfect storm might be too big or too difficult to handle under our own strength and wisdom. I should probably even erase or eliminate the word sometimes. Sometimes we are helpless. Have you ever felt helpless after you sent out dozens of resumes to get no call? Have you ever felt helpless when you're trying to, to, to figure out why has God brought this physical affliction on me or on a close family member? The doctors can't figure it out. The doctors have said that it's hopeless. The medication's not working. The treatment is failing. Why, God? Why? Verse 20, when they neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, well, that is, that's discouraging there in itself, being in the, in the dark, and the storm continued raging. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. And that third point, kind of the lull in all of this, the downer part of the service, don't leave until we continue on this. Even if you need a bathroom break, stay in here. I don't want you to leave on this point. But sadly, our hope may vanish. Sadly, our hope may vanish. You know, in a lot of ways, in a lot of cases, it's about our focus and where our focus is, our perspective and how we see things. I'm stung often when I think about a specific story about a boy and his dad going fishing and, and uh, they went through the whole uh, uh, process of getting all the tackle together and getting all the things they needed to do and putting everything together and then going on this fishing trip and they, they were there all day and they caught some fish and they had some fun and then I, I, I remember uh, hearing about, and I'm going to kind of paraphrase this part of the story, I remember hearing about the result and at the end of the day, the dad wrote down in his journal, a day wasted in the afternoon. And I remember the same thing, the boy writing, the, be- the best, the greatest day I ever had with my dad. 
Same experience, same day, same activity, different perspective. As a storm rages and the sailors' efforts to survive this, this, this entire thing failed, they abandon all hope of being saved. And like the sailors, we may despair. Like the sailors, when crisis comes, we may have efforts to survive and maybe don't necessarily see any kind of, uh, of positive result from that. We may lose hope. But here's, here's the, the, the kicker. This is the amen moment. God often puts his arms around us when we reach the end of our rope. God often puts his arms around us when we near the end of our rope. God often puts his arms around us when we near the end of our rope. You know, I think about the kid that was at the end of his rope on the monkey bars. He couldn't go any further. And I think about the other kids that came up behind him. And I think about that one student. He was kind of a bigger kid that was kind of like the, the protector of the group. And I remember him coming and just getting right around, not, not touching the other child, but getting right around his legs and saying, okay, we'll do this together. You continue through. If you need to, you let go and I'll catch you. But if not, I'm here to support you as you finish this. You know, I can't help but think about that imagery. That's what God does. When we're going through the storm, the tough time, the, the difficult time in life, he's right there with his arms around us and maybe sometimes catching us, maybe sometimes holding us close, maybe sometimes just giving us that protection. I think about, about Gideon, the, 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 the prophet Gideon, the one who God calls uh, as a leader of Israel to go and to fight the Midianites. And, and he has this great army, right? He has this great army of, of 30,000, more than 30,000 troops. And he's going to go and he's going to fight against these fierce people who are, who are coming and they're ridiculing and they're, and they're tearing down the, the Israelites. And, 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 and as he goes forward, he has this army. He gets to his, his army, lines them up, and God says to him, look, there might be some that are a little bit scared. Right? There might be some in your midst that are scared to fight this fight. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to make an announcement to all the army, all your 30,000. If any of you are scared, you can go home. If any of you are scared, feel free to just go home. You don't have to fight. Go home to your families. And at that point, in that moment, he lost nearly 30,000. 10,000 of the troops just said, okay, I'll take you up on that. I'm going to head home. I needed to get some laundry done anyway, so I'll see you later. And then God comes to Gideon again and says, look, your army's still too big. There's still some trouble, you know, with, with the math here. I, I feel like if this were to take place, there might be some understanding that you did this on your own, but I want you to know my power. So I want you to take your army down and I want you to get them some refreshments down at the river. I want you to let them drink some water and give them some time to rest. And as they do, there's two different ways in which they drink water. Those that drink one way, I want you to send them home. The ones that drink the other way, I want you to send, or I want you to bring them into battle. And, and out of that, out of that, he took them down to the water. And out of that, as they tasted the water, as they refreshed themselves, only 3,000 qualified in drinking from that drinking fountain the right way. 300. And so everybody else was sent home. And here at this point, I'm sure Gideon's starting to think, okay, God, look, I, I don't know about this story with Paul yet, but I'm sure people at some point in 2021 are going to read about this. And when they do, they're going to recognize the fact that, hey, things seem calm right now, but there's a storm a-brewing for me in this army. That was all a joke in case you wanted to know. 
That conversation didn't happen. And here, as Gideon begins to prepare, God says, look, here are my instructions. I'm right here with you. I'm more powerful than any army, any storm you will ever experience, and I got you. And so God took Gideon and his army and they went in and his exact words were, I will rescue you and bring you to victory over the Midianite army. And as they went there and as they blew their horns and as they held their torches and they, and they made some noise and, they, and they, they, were, they were basically just disoriented their enemy, the enemy, they turned on one another in confusion. They killed each other and God delivered them and, the, and, and, the, and Gideon's army and, and, and Gideon himself were able to say, God did this. Because in the perfect storm, in the moments of weakness, in the places where we can't do it ourselves, God shows himself the best. God often puts his arms around us when we reach the end of our rope. Now on to the storm itself. Obviously, we see they're trying to get through it. They're trying to do these things. And I'm going to pick up in in verse 21, and I'm going to read uh, to the end of this portion. It says, After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourself this damage and loss. Now, nobody likes an I told you so. So I don't know why Paul is starting to poke the bear here. But look, he's he's, he's sharing with them, here's the, the information that God gave me. But since we're in this storm, let's move forward. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. That's the promise right there. You will will not lose your life. Don't abandon ship. You will not lose your life. The ship will be destroyed, but you will not. Last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid. Does anybody need to hear that today? Do not be afraid. There is a, I mean, there's a spiritual warfare taking place that we cannot always see. We see the result of it, like the wind, we see the result of it. We cannot always see. But let me just tell you, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives within the believer. Do not be afraid. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Faith of a mustard seed, right? They all have lost faith, and Paul's saying, no, 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 I still have faith. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some, on some island. On the 14th night, on the 14th night, We were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later they took soundings again and found that it was 90 feet deep. So it's getting uh, quite a bit more shallow, right? Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors went to the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Excuse me. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. 
So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it drift away. Now that's, that's powerful right there in and of itself. That's a burn the boats type moment, right? We're not going to retreat. We're not going to give up on this. Just before dawn, Paul uh, urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head after he said this. He, will, he, will, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of all of them. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. Altogether, there were 276 of us on board. When they had eaten as much, they, as, much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with a sandy beach where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they, they left them in the sea at the same time, untied the ropes and held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the, to the wind and made it for the beach, but the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow struck, the bow struck fast and would not move, and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the serfs. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out his plans. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and to get to land. The rest, the rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship. In this way, everyone reached land safely. Take a deep breath. The storm is over. Take a deep breath. This is a moment where we see that God once again came through on another promise. Yet again, our faithful God says, here's what I'm going to do. And then he does it. Not necessarily the way that we would consider to be easy, not necessarily in in the timing that we might have, but here we see again that God saw fit to deliver 276 individuals as he promised he would. The perfect storm often tests our faith. And the, the, the first point under that is strong faith weathers the perfect storm. Get this, God doesn't necessarily always bring storms in our lives. He does allow them, but he also uses them as an opportunity for us to experience new and real growth, to experience a deeper relationship with him, to experience an understanding of how he might want us to change or to be transformed or moved so that we might know him in a greater way, so that we might understand ourselves and how he wants us to grow in a greater way. How do we have strong faith? We have strong faith by standing on his promises, by knowing that he'll come through. And we understand his promises by by gaining a closer and deeper relationship with him. The more we know him, the more we recognize his character and his nature and we see his promises come through so that when these storms come, while many times they, they creep up in times when we don't recognize they're coming, we can be prepared by having deep relationship with our God. Paul told the sailors he had had received a promise from God. Get this, a promise from God that no lives would be lost if they stayed with the ship. And then God came through on that. At the same time, he encouraged the men. And he said that that we would run aground and 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 the ship would be destroyed. But as long as you stick with it, you'll be saved. 
It's in the times when we are not in control but simply place our faith in God that he comes through and we see a stronger, uh, more, more, more resolve, a, a, a greater hope on the other side. Faith meets crisis head on. Faith meets the storm head on. And it may not end it, but it does give us the courage, the right perspective to see it through to the end. And the third point under that one, the second point under that one is strong faith is rewarded. All those storms, you know, they they blasted the ship apart. God honored his faith and his promise. If he had jumped into the lifeboat or abandoned ship, we wouldn't be standing on his promise. If we'd have tried to pull the ripcord early, if we tried to say, oh, God, I don't want anything to do with this, I'm, I'm not even going to go on the journey, we'd miss out on the opportunity to be able to grow in the storm. You look back on the storms you've walked through in life, perhaps this is a difficult question to ask, maybe a diff- more difficult to answer, but you look back on the storms of your own life, would you relive those storms Knowing what you know on this side, recognizing how God may have formed, transformed you. And maybe if no formation came through that, it might be time to revisit those and in a healthy way walk through them so that God might teach you the lesson or show you the way that he wanted to originally. 1 Peter 1, 6-9 reads like this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven generosity of your faith of of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an uh, an inexpressible and joyous and glorious joy. For you have received the end result of your faith, the salvation of your soul. As the praise team comes, I want to just kind of revisit for a moment this illustration I started with, with these three bushes. You know, these three bushes, we, we went ahead and planted them anyway, even though one of them lost all the leaves and one of them, the leaves all turned red and one was still green. We kind of replanted them or we planted them anyway. I wanted to see how they would do. I thought, well, if they don't do well, we'll pull them out. But it's interesting to note what took place. Being out in the sun, being fertilized when they were planted, being watered consistently for a while, getting the nutrients they needed. It's interesting to note that all three Bushes are now green. You think, well, that's what plants are supposed to do, right? They're supposed to to bounce back, supposed to get through it. Well, let me say, if if a plant loses all its leaves and then is just thrown away into the trash, it's not going to be revived. Instead, as they were rooted deeply, as they were fertilized, as they were given the, the, the nutrients necessary of the sun, they were able to bounce back. Their perspective changed. They grew from that. And in fact, I will tell you this, the two that had the most issues are now the greenest and the bushiest. Because as they weathered the storm, as they walked through the storm, they had to bounce back and it made them stronger. The bottom line is they left the ship. This is the the story again, not the plants. They left the ship wreck stronger with a renewed sense of hope and securely on the solid rock. I get a sense this morning that there are some storms that are taking place in our lives. 
I get a sense and an understanding from having conversations from some of you, but also just a sense from the Spirit this morning that there are things taking place in our lives or maybe things that we know are before us, some storms that are taking place that we either need to give to God, we, we maybe are, are asking for God to deliver us, or for whatever reason are not engaging in a way where God can truly bring forth real and lasting transformation in our lives. Perhaps there is a storm, as I mentioned earlier, that you walked through in the past, maybe in the near future or the, the near past or, the, or the, 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 the distant past, you walked through a storm and now as you look back, it's still a really, it's a difficult spot. Perhaps you, 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 you put it away or you covered it up or you just tried to you know, throw it under the rug because you didn't want to walk through the issue. And as a result of that issue, now it is a sore spot. It's not a place where God brought forth real and lasting change, but instead it's a place where, where you kind of allow it either to define you or it's a place where you just try to escape from it. We're going we're gonna to transition now into a time of response, a physical response. Every, every sermon has a response. Sometimes it's a go and live differently. Sometimes we do it in communions. We do the first week of every month. Today we're going to respond in this room. And the desire of the Spirit this morning is for us to take a moment, to take a moment to, and to explore our own lives, to explore your own life right now. What storm are you walking through? What potential storm is coming up? What storms have you walked through in the past? Or perhaps what am I needing to prepare myself for in faith of a, of a future storm I don't even see? And whatever storm that might be, whatever way in which you are engaging in it, this morning as we sing this song, I want to encourage you to come to a place up front, up, up here at the altar. I want you to come to this place in response to the Spirit and just lay it before God. And allow Him to show you, to reveal to you where He wants you to go, what He wants you to do. Maybe it's just to say yes to Him. Maybe it's as easy or as simple as just saying, I want you to come forward and I want you to, to, to just simply kneel before Him and say, yes, God, I understand I'm in this storm. I've tried to get the reins. I've tried to wrap the boat with ropes. I've tried to, to do all the things I know how to do. And guess what? None of them worked. And so now, finally, I say yes to you. And so this morning, I, I wanna encourage you to stand. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing. And as we sing, if you feel the Spirit leading you, I wanna encourage you to come to the front and to spend some time in prayer. So would you stand with me as we pray? Father. We thank you for these moments. We thank you for these times we come together corporately as your body, as we come to this place and we sing and we pray and we give and we listen and all the things that go along with it through fellowship and worship. May, may this be a moment where we hear your voice. God, you don't waste a storm. In fact, you use it to help us to grow and you use it to glorify yourself. And so may we come now in response to you. May we allow the storms in our lives to be an opportunity to grow in our faith. Father, we thank you for who you are and what you do. Father, help us to be open and obedient. In your name we pray. Amen.